God damn it, Jeff. I mean, seriously? Ugh. Like, I had my differences with the boys. Like, we had our rivalries and everything like that. But me and you were, were friends. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you asked me to come on and do a thing. I'm like, all right, that's cool. And I get, I, I get here, and it's a goddamn clip show? It's, oh. it's the, it's the, the, the <laughs> crowning failure of every sitcom in its death throes? That's oh, what indie. you bring me for? Oh, indie. Indie, indie. Indie, indie, yeah. indie, 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 indie. You know me better than that. Remember, I thought the, did. hey, dude, the last clip show that I did ended with me blowing my head off with a shotgun and then two British idiots at Chernobyl. This is so much more than a clip show. Okay. It's also a crossover. Slum, slum, slum. Gullion, slum Gullion, we've got season two Slum Gullion, Jeff and Scott still host us Slum Gullion, I still don't know what that word means Slum Gullion, we still got some guests on the Slum Gullion We're not showing breasts on the Slum Gullion should probably fade on the Slum Gullion Hello and welcome to a very special, slightly odd episode of the Slum Gullion This is our CW crossover event And my one show is crossing over with my other show um, due to circumstances ever so slightly beyond anyone's control, some of them being really, really fucking cool, and some of them being just annoying, um, we have a bunch of different pieces of tape, uh, varying uh, lengths about varying subjects that I just had to, I have to throw together. And the reason I have to throw them together is my partner, Scott Clevenger, is currently working on a super secret project, and I'm not kidding. He's actually he's actually getting paid to write something right now. So everybody send your good luck vibes to the boy because he needs it. Because right now, as I said on Twitter, he's trapped in a locked room with a computer, a pee bottle, and a blow-up doll. And he needs all the help he can get. So, as I am putting these pieces together, I decided that... I would merge my two shows because on Twitter I said I had a few things that I was going to talk about on Writer's Block, and I said that I was going to talk about those things on Writer's Block with the person I have, and for once the same time zone as me, author, raconteur, and smut peddler, Indy McDaniel. How are you today, sir? I'm good. Was it difficult to get the clearance rights to crossover your two shows uh surprisingly yeah the guy in charge is a total prick i've heard that yeah yeah i yeah. I, 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 I i even gave him weed he still charged me an arm and a leg and a hand job but there's nothing i can do about it so indy before we go anywhere else um scott has been talking a lot about and i didn't know about this because i never pay attention to you you have a youtube series I do, a new YouTube series, a so, whole brand new shiny channel. Yes, yeah, so you have decided to get into YouTube when it is at its worst. So please yep. tell tell, <laughs> t tell me and tell everybody else about your YouTube series. Yeah, whore, and in typical... Whore yourself, Indy, come on, whore. <laughs> Be a good in, whore. In, in typical fashion, I either arrive to things way too early or way too late. In the case of YouTube, it was both. <laughs> so... <laughs> The, uh, the new channel slash show is called Random Viewings. 
and it's basically exactly what it sounds like on the tin. Me and some other random person sit down and watch some random thing. Could be a movie, a TV show, porn, pretty much whatever, that, a music video, anything we want to watch. And then we set up a camera and we talk about it for however long we choose to talk about it. It's full of random tangents that lead us off into another direction before we kind of slowly segue. It's very similar to this show, uh-huh. actually, <laughs> only with video. And the old and show. Okay, I get it. I get it. You just add yeah. video and you think you're being all new. Oh, every every single thing I do is derivative of something else. Have you not figured that out yet? Yeah, <laughs> but I, I just never expected you to be derivative of me. <laughs> Why not? You do great shit, man. Okay. Oh, well, yeah, but dude, come on, Nadia. But, but oh, I'm Nadia, smoke up your ass right now. Right. Fuck well, you, Nadia. Uh, not uh, pimp it or or say what is derivative of. No, no, no. I'm just saying I love Nadia. Fuck you. You don't do derivative <laughs> shit. <laughs> Thank you. But then again, I did all. I, I'm blowing smoke up your ass, but at the same time, I did once tell you that Black Melt was at least partially inspired by Troll Two. So, and, 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 yeah, and the fact that you made me vomit and masturbate to something that was inspired by Troll Two really made the masturbation dreary. There you go. Uh, second one should be finished soon. Really? I've got like four chapters. Seriously? Yeah. You, you finally. It, it, it's, this has been talked about for a while. You never told me that you were actually fucking working on it. Oh, yeah. No, I've been working on it for, for years. I just hit a point where, like, I didn't know exactly what to do because I didn't want to make it just like the first one. Right, I right. wanted it to be slightly different, but at the same time capture the vibe of the first one. Right, right. So for, uh, the first, like, set of notes I had, it had a very dark ending. I'm like, all right, it's different from the first one's dark ending, but this could work. And then I got part, part of the way through it. I'm like, I don't like this. So I renoted everything from kind of the ground up, and I, I left it with a more ambiguous ending. And I'm like, there you go, an open ending. That, that's nice. And then I was working under that presumption, and then I was like, pretty much, I, I started wor- actually properly working on it last month. Okay. And I got up to a point in a chapter where, there, like, suddenly I realized, oh, my God, there's a crossroads here. The one crossroads leads me down the path that the notes have set out. The other crossroads throws in an out-of-nowhere holy shit gut punch. Please tell me you did what I think you did, or that I I want you to do. I went with the gut punch. Thank you. Okay, good man. I I love those moments. I was like, that's perfect. That is a great way to to resolve this shit, and then I can move on to the next bit. You know what my rule of writing is, in fact? Anytime uh, I have those types of crossroads, mm-hmm. I always go for the gut punch. Yeah. There, and it was, there is no debate for me. It's like if I reach that point, I'm like, ooh, ooh, yeah, we're there. And it was, and it was a different crossroads than like the one I had with uh, Nadia Book 2. Nadia okay. Book 2, I had that all noted out <clears throat> and planned out and everything like that. But she's just such a bitch that she cannot play well with others for 30 seconds to avoid having bad stuff done to her. <laughs> and she knows she's doing it, but she can't stop. She's that combative. Okay, and I'm like, all right, you've done this to me. I can't change this now. Before I stop you talking about yourself, because I desperately uh-huh. want to, I have a question for you. Okay. Um, I, this just, I'm interested in this. Okay. Nadia the movie. Who would you cast right now, if you could? Ooh. I really want to know who would be Nadia in your. I I mean, and that's something I've that's that's something I've considered. I really feel like it would have to be an unknown. 
Okay. Like it would have to be someone we found that, that is like age appropriate and talent appropriate that, that worked. Good like for there's, you, there's, man. There, yeah, there's no actresses that I can think of offhand that fit Nadia. Now, uh, her boss, Vlad, that's totally Peter Stormari. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Give me a second here. I am now putting him in the book. Oh. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. I see it. I see it. Yeah. I totally see it. Okay, what about, um, oh, what's his name? Ah, Ulfric? Poopy. Hang on. Yeah, Ulfric. Um, again, and, and, like, I always tend to cast my characters based on real people. Like, Nadia is actually based on, like, her visual style and everything is based on a Russian pop singer named Glucosa. Okay. Um, so she if you look up sweet. pictures. Yeah, she, she does. She does some cool music. Um, look up Schwein by Glucosa. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, heard it here, folks. Yep. Uh, so so that's kind of what her visual style is based on. But at this point, like she's not really an actor and she's aged up clearly right, right, since right, I started right. writing. Uh, Albrecht was some random German actor. I know he was in he was in Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards, but like in a really small role. Okay. To the point that I've not been able to find him in that oh, movie, wow. and I've watched a couple of times. Okay, I, uh, I, I, I don't care in your head. I'm talking famous person. Wait, would you cast him as an unknown, or do you have? Or could you put a famous person in him? Hmm. Especially after reading the thing, now I'm interested. Hmm. See, it's different because I don't know like young German actors, and it, like I would want to go like uh, country like specific like i would want them to actually like if the the character's russian i would want them to be russian and german they're actually german and shit like that like, oh come on you know when the studio <clears throat> gets a hold of it is going to be played by like zach efron or somebody like that <laughs> i would almost be a no zach efron's too like i i actually like zach efron a lot as I... an actor as a comedy actor i can't specifically. say specifically i can't say anything but I he's agree too with pretty you. I agree with you. <laughs> like, Zac Efron's a little too... Like, Albert's pretty. He's not Zac Efron pretty. <laughs> um, and Seth Rogen pretty. Somewhere between Zac Efron and Seth Rogen pretty. Some middle ground. <laughs> somewhere between Zac Efron and Seth Rogen. There lies Ulbricht. Maybe James Franco's younger brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, he, he's a pretty man, too. He is. He is. He is a pretty man. Did you ever see that, uh, the college... Did you ever see Not the college humor video? Say again? Not quite as male model pretty as Zac Efron is. <laughs> Did you ever see the, uh, I think it was a college humor video where he fucked himself? No, I think I heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds... <laughs> Look up Dave Franco fucking himself or something to that degree on YouTube, folks. You'll get a giggle. It's a really funny movie. But real fast. So uh, one real fast thing to talk about. A new trailer dropped today. Yeah. Like, like a couple of hours before Indy and I sat down to chat, uh, we have now officially seen footage from Thor Ragnarok. Bum, bum, bum. So, Indy, you're more of a superhero fan than I am. Your first impressions of the trailer. It looks like a lot of fun. Like, 
it, it looks like they're capturing that Guardians of the Galaxy kind of silliness vibe, but with just enough badass action to, like, kind of temper it. So I'm into it. Like, yeah. <laughs> the moment when, when Hulk comes out and Thor's just like, yay! He's a friend of mine. I know him from work. Yes. Okay. <laughs> here Here is my one-sentence review of the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um... This is now the this is now this is now the first Marvel movie that I have genuinely wanted to see since Doctor Strange. Okay, which that was kind of like the last one they put out, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. You remember? This is, not the first a... movie, this is the first Marvel movie I've wanted to see since the last Marvel movie. Exactly, and remember, <laughs> Doctor Strange is the first one that I genuinely wanted to see. Yeah, true. I mean, after and they, watching they both this kind trailer, of have... They both kind of have a, a weird 70s vibe to them, too. And that may be part of it, but for me, especially with that trailer, it just it felt like Thor has never been one of my favorite characters. Granted, I don't know a lot about him. The movies, they didn't do that much for me, especially Dark World. The first one was fun, but that was mostly because of Kenneth Branagh, I think, for me. And Chris mm. Hemsworth, I've got to admit. Hemsworth did a great Hems job of making a li a very likable jerk. He did. Yeah, Hems Hemsworth has charm oozing out of every pore. Like, he was he was the highlight of that terrible vacation movie. That Agreed. That came out. Agreed. Like, he was the best thing in that fucking movie. But Dark World just... I did nothing for me. I was surprised by Thor. And even though Joss Whedon did the Avengers, I really wa I was just excited for him, not for the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted see. to see a big movie directed, written and directed by Joss Whedon. That's why I went to the Avengers. Um, right. Thor Ragnarok, after that trailer, I'm so fucking on board, it's scary. It looks like yeah. they've finally done something, at least to me, interesting with the character. Yeah. Who's the villain in that? Is that Claire Forlani playing the villain? I have no fucking clue. Scott would know. He's the trivia Nazi. Yeah. She looked familiar, but I couldn't quite place her. But, I mean, the moment when when the chick catches and destroys Molnir. Mew Mew? Uh, yes, that was the moment when I went, <laughs> okay. And yet, the choice of music, you're right, very Guardians of the Galaxy vibe. Visually, mm -hmm. it looks very different from the other two Thor films, which makes me happy. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it's just for trailer, but just the trailer gave me the vibe that this doesn't, this isn't one of the Marvel films that's just a setup for the next movie. This could be like Doctor Strange, its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and, and that's kind of what the, well, Maybe Civil War. I, I really enjoyed Civil War, but yeah, it's kind of like a piece of the puzzle. But most of the time... You know my like, issues with Civil War. I enjoyed yeah. it, but I cannot recommend it, and you know why. Yep. But, like, most of the time, the, the puzzle piece... And it is, like, I thought about you saying that, and I was like, oh yeah, that does really bug me. Like, Ant-Man. Like, Ant-Man was fun. It'd be even more fun if they did a sequel. But you know they're not going to. Because they're like, oh, we've got that puzzle piece in place. We've introduced that character. Whatever. He's in the Avengers now. Fuck it. Except we are getting Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, are we? Oh, yeah? You didn't know that? Oh, yeah. Oh, that... no. Like, oh, I, yeah. I know they they set it up, but I didn't know if it did well enough oh. that they were actually going to do it. Oh, no. It. it has been announced. It's I believe it's after Infinity War. Okay, fair enough. It, it is Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'm... Evangeline Lilly is coming back. It's going to be, uh, what's his name, Paul Rudd. I believe Michael Douglas is even coming back. Nice. I am actually, even though they've not shown anything from it, I am actually really excited for Captain Marvel, just for Brie Larson. 
because I really like Brie Larson. I've I've got to say I I need to see footage, but yeah, the casting's right. The casting's yeah. right. And I was I was one of those ones. I was on board. I was, Ronda Rousey wanted to do it. I'm like, oh yeah, totally. Like her acting may not be tw- uh, quite up there, but I could pull. I could see her in spandex as a superhero. Uh, you and know, then they're yeah. like. And then they're like, Brie Larson. I'm like, I don't know you. And then I watch 21 Jump Street. I'm like, oh, right. you're adorable. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Then, and, and, and then in Kong Skull Island, I'm like, and you're badass. All right, and I'm in. I want to, I, I, I kind of want to talk to you about Kong Skull Island very, very briefly. And we'll do that right after this flashback. Hey, Jeff. This and, is, yeah. This is it. Yeah. The final boner. And right (laughs) off the bat, they screwed our predictions. They did. (laughs) They totally did. Well, should should we go with this chronologically, like the first, the the second to last episode? Oh, that's what I mean. Right there they screwed us up because there's the wedding. The wedding was right there. It wasn't the last episode. And they started off with the wedding right off the bat. That's the first thing you see. Walter and I were both going, oh, all righty then. There's the... But I I really liked how they kept jumping back and forth so we could see what was happening from all of the characters' point of view. Oh, from a storytelling standpoint, yeah. I just thought that episode was brilliant the way it did that. Yeah. Because, I mean, once I realized they were doing it, because I remember uh, you see... Um, booth coming out and looking all depressed mm-hmm. i remember thinking well what's up with that and i was like well they're not gonna tell us and oh oh we're gonna find out oh good good because <laughs> i knew i was glad to see cindy lopper back uh, I... yeah and i was gonna say i have been saying since i started the uh are they bringing guest stars back from the final episode i've been saying since we saw stephen fry mm-hmm. they better bring cindy lopper back i'm so glad that they did i am very very glad so I was happy that that was like okay thumbs up on that one. <laughs> and I was very happy with the way they dealt with Zach. I thought that was very good. I I was kind of wondering what um what's her face was up to a little bit too. But oh I thought, really? A little bit. I was like, okay, is she trying to help him or not? I don't uh, kind of didn't see that. She had to do that, but right. She, the reason that I. The reason why I thought I was kind of I was looking at Hodgins going, dude, chill, is the way she kept saying the expert testimony. She kept right. saying expert. She kept talking about the validity of the information. The compelling. She was Yeah. She was putting that in the judge's head. I mean, she was putting those um adjectives in the judge's head. Mm-hmm just as well so that's why i was like oh i know yeah she's doing this on purpose you can tell that's what i was a little bit shocked by uh what's his name's reaction but still i loved that i was very happy he did not get off scot-free right and and, as he shouldn't have because he did obstruct justice and he he was an accessory so um but he's gonna he's gonna be free uh he won't have well i get and um no, so it was it was awesome. I we know, and then when we find out the dead body was a prison break person, and I went, oh no, here we go. And I knew it was going to be a two parter. I just thought this is going to be a to be continued one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but and then yeah, yeah, we had the big thing, and and then I have to admit when it got to the bomb sequence, mm-hmm. the two things that impressed me most about that, I I really liked the fact that Seely wasn't talking to anybody. While he was doing the first cutting, was just... and the only re- 
The only reason why I like that was it's only 10 seconds. If I fuck this up, we're all going to die anyway. Why scare them? Right, exactly. It's a bomb. Yeah, that's And you knew that's what he was thinking, too, which was really kind of cool. And then the explosion at the end was pretty damn impressive for a TV show. It really, really was. Um, and, And I really did not know. I mean, I knew Brennan was going to be okay. Uh, I immediately thought about the the little baby. I was worried yeah. about that. Yep. And then for some bizarre reason, I had this weird <laughs> idea. I was like, oh, what if Hodgkins can walk after this explosion? <laughs> we made that joke. We, we joked you? about it. Yeah, we we thought there's no way they'll actually do it, but that'd be really funny. It'd be like, oh, I, can, I can feel my legs all of a sudden. Oh, I would. I, yeah, I, I had hoped for that, but no, that would have been stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the whole time when it got into the whole last sequence of uh, of the episode, mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there going, "Okay, it's getting way too close to the end. How are they going to do this? We only have 44 minutes left after this. How was this gonna? Holy fuck! They actually blew it up. They blew it up, and uh, I thought it, uh, you know, how everything." It went into a shutdown mode, and there was Aristu trying to keep the glass open. But then, of course, panic people come by and and uh, get you know push him out and the door, and you're like, oh no. So I was uh, that was a very that was a very gripping cliffhanger, particularly when Brennan Brennan wouldn't leave the office. <laughs> I was just like, stop, and again, stop being Brennan. <laughs> One of the reasons why it works so well is we have had 12 years with these people. Yeah, it was totally... And knowing that this is the final episode, that just put extra import on it. Mm-hmm. And when you... Once again, I... Oh, it's one of the things that I've been saying for years. When you've got likable characters, we will follow them through anything. Yep, we definitely will. And I uh, last episode, the final episode... Uh, uh, they find her directed by directed by David Boreanaz, by yep. the way. So we got to give him a double shout out for not only giving a once a, a top notch performance as always, but a fine directing job for the finale. Really, and um, I thought I thought the storyline was pretty. I thought I I kind of thought it was going to be amnesia, but they okay. took it a totally different way. That she, when she wakes up, she goes, I feel different. I feel different. And I was like, I, okay, she's not amnesiac. What, I wonder what's wrong. See, I only uh, had one problem with that. Mm-hmm. It, I think that would have worked more if it hadn't just been one episode. Yeah. It was right. the finale. I knew, I knew in every fiber of my being that she was going to be fine by the end. Yeah. I just, I knew it. So it seemed, to me, that felt kind of pointless. I mean, I got it. You know what I mean? I mean, the, the scene with the squint turns figuring it out right. was worth it for that scene alone, I think. Yes. But, uh, go ahead. No, I, I, I think it, her, in, her brain injury also, though, served um, as a chance to kind of stand back and, you know, talk about, oh, I remember meeting you. I remember the first time. And her acknowledging her squints in a very positive way, and not so dry as she could have, as she was when she All right. was that full. So it kind of valid that, point. Yeah, valid, valid point. Okay, I, I am, I am totally down with that. That's still my least favorite part of the episode, but you've given it some extra validity. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> but the thing, 
the thing that really impressed me about this finale, mm-hmm. and um, this is also something that I was thinking about talking about when I do the next writer's block, but I'm going to throw this to you instead and see what you think. Okay. The thing that I absolutely loved about this episode was it very much felt like a finale, but it wasn't a finale. It, it felt almost right. like a season finale. It could have been just as much a season finale, but knowing that it was the finale, it was okay. Maybe it's because we've been with these characters for 12 years, mm-hmm. but at the end of the episode, everyone's okay. They're going to come, you know, they're going back to work. No one's left. Right. Life's going to go on. And that's a different it's a slightly different way of doing a finale nowadays i mean they had the big ending yeah but the character ending was just we're all okay and life's gonna go on and i thought that was yeah even though we're not i just thought going that route with with these characters was just the right thing to do i think so too i I, it would have been i think i think they didn't pull a castle they didn't pull (laughs) I want to sh- uh, slowly. I turn. Um, and I well, I think too. There was there's a um, a feeling that I got was that okay, the series is over. Their story isn't over, and right. who knows? They might be you know in a year or so. They might be going. Hey, let's do a a movie. So you know, let's do a twenty four came back exactly. So I think I think I think from a a writing standpoint, it made sense not to just go boom, done, over. The end. They're they're never gonna you know we're never gonna see or hear from them. It, it, there's a possibility now. Right, 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 right. And I do have to say, my favorite moment in that episode. Yeah. May also be. My favorite moment in the finale may also be my favorite moment in the entire series. Okay, I can. I, do you want me? I am. Um, is it? Do you know what it is? I bet you do. What do you think it is? Is it when? See, and this is hard because I had a couple of things. Um, is it when she's in the office with? Uh, booth and he's, nope. he's saying what nope. am I no I'll stop there no that was a great scene yes that was a great scene that was a that was a wonderful scene I mean this whole ep- the finale was filled with amazing character moments it does uh, short review guys it does everything a finale should have done okay is it how we get a glimpse as everyone's packing up we get these little glimpses from past seasons we nope. see no it's not that I'll, I'll give you a hint. I'll give okay, you a, give hint. a hint. Maybe this will narrow it down. It's a line. It's a line? It's a line. It's a line of dialogue. Ugh, no. Ah, uh, all right, all right. One sentence. I'm king of the lab! Oh, that's right! Oh, of course! Although I kind of count that as one of those little homages that we saw peppered in, as, okay. You know, oh, as, all right. All right. All right. But that. Okay. All right. Then bye. But yeah, that I'm king of the lab. I. I he's cheered. literally. He was literally king. Of literally the lab. king of the lab. Walter and I both cheered when that happened. <laughs> oh, I love so this. So they even got so much. <laughs> they even got a cheer in the final episode. So 
good for them. Yes, and that was that. That was well, yeah. I I don't want the show to go, but it has to. <laughs> but you know what though? It got to the end, and <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I remember when a little bit of a tangent here, but I want to throw this out there. When Battlestar Galactica ended, which one? Uh, uh Ron Moore's Battlestar Galactica. Okay. The greatest piece of science fiction right, on television the, the in the history one. of history period. Yes, the good one. When that when 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 the when the three hour finale aired, mm-hmm. um, I we uh, we watched it, and Walter also had some buddies over because it was their game night. Mm-hmm. And um, as soon as the episode ended, he went over and started gaming with his friends, which made. You know, I wasn't pissy about because they sat there for three hours while we watched Battlestar Galactica. Because mm-hmm. he flat out said, yeah, we're not starting until this is over. But I was sitting there and I was so, like, dumbstruck by that finale that I, like, went outside and I had to find somebody to call just so I could, like, process what I had seen. It was rare. That is one of the the only television show finales that, like, affected me in such a major way. Mm -hmm. This Bones finale at the end, when all is said and done, made me happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. It was, it was a, it was a happy ending. Exactly. So... Yeah. Goodbye, Bones. We, thank you, Fox. It definitely thanks to Fox, who finally, <laughs> in spite of their somewhat shaky track record of <clears throat> Firefly, keeping shows that are good on <clears throat> Firefly. And you know, I'll, I'll even say it too, Firefly. <laughs> that uh, they. But took... we like them now because they got us a Sleepy Hollow interview, so we're kind. Of, we're, we're cool with them now. I okay. have. I have accepted Firefly now because of that. <laughs> You're so easy. That's all they that's all they were trying to do, Jeff. <laughs> they were just trying to buy your favor. It's the unknown movie. Unknown movie. Unknown movie. challenge. It's the unknown movie. Unknown movie. Unknown movie. challenge. It's the unknown movie. Unknown movie. Unknown movie. challenge. That's, that's right. right. It's, it's the, the unknown, unknown movie challenge. challenge. It's the unknown what movie. What we gonna unknown watch? Movie. Unknown movie challenge. It's the unknown what movie. What we gonna watch? Unknown movie challenge. That's, that's right. right. It's, it's the, the Unknown movie, movie Challenge. Ready for battle. And welcome back to the Unknown Movie Challenge. This one's going to be a little more challenging than usual, since we're doing two films, still in theaters, and in two separate recording sessions, since two of the new movie crew are about to jet off for one of the eight Hawaiian Islands. So, so uh, Jeff, and also Jeff has not seen one of the two movies, so uh, this UMC will be modular like a 1970s conversation pit couch. And we'll just try to make it all fit together later through podcasting magic. John and Blanche are here with me. First up is, appropriately, the uh, South Seas Romp, Kong Skull Island, or Skull Island Kong. One of the other two. Anyway, I know there's a, there's a colon in there in the title somewhere. So. After seeing the, the previews, I was say, oh, this is not, this is going to be so bad. Yeah. But I was surprised. The trailers had me feeling very 
iffy, which you really got to go out of your way to make me feel iffy about a giant monster movie. Because I will go. See, I wouldn't saw. <laughs> I wouldn't saw Pacific Rim. I mean, I'm not. I'm not that choosy. <laughs> When it comes so did to my, we. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When it comes to kaiju, I'm very susceptible. So uh, you were you were pleasantly surprised. Is that right? Yes. Uh, it, it, it actually had more to it than, than I expected. Although there were always some little things that you go, really? <laughs> so. If you had an opportunity to go to the Universal Parks, either in Florida or L.A., it's the, the, the little bit of the tram ride that has the Kong portion of it, it's very much like it, isn't it, John? Yeah. It was like, hey, this is just like the ride. Do they well, actually except use... without, a, without all the shaking. Right. Do they actually use footage from the movie in the ride? Well, the Kong was looking into the tram the same way he was looking into the helicopter. So, oh. <laughs> so we're yeah. thinking that maybe. That moment when he looks into the helicopter and you see him and it's he's looking at you, mm. right? You're looking at him as you, if you're in the helicopter. I'm... My recollection is, is that is exactly in the tram ride, and you can see he's looking right at you. And it's it was a fun moment in the ride, and it's a fun movie in the um, sorry, fun moment in the movie. It is, even though um, I would think you know, even Bell Hueys of the nineteen seventies, this this, this uh, movie takes place in the in the uh, barely post Vietnam era, uh, where it would be able to get higher than uh, even Kong could reach. I mean, can you hear this communication over the thing? Hey, he's grabbing us out of the sky and killing us. Let's get in closer so we can shoot at him. Yeah. Except the weird. I mean, I understand. I accept it from a story uh, position because if there was one surviving helicopter, they would fly back to the ship and say, hey, uh, we had a problem. And that that eliminates the whole um, ticking clock. Exactly. Element of the plot where we've got to get mm-hmm. to the north end of the island when the refueling helicopter show up. We've got to be there in three days. I mean, I get that. But it still was the the single stupidest thing in the movie. I'm just glad that I'm glad the military was so uh, accommodating to the film. Uh, were they? Yeah, well they they said we can't just go back to the ship. We have to fight this guy so that the movie can continue. Ah. <laughs> so they were very accommodating. Yeah, they were accommodating to the plot. Yes. Going back to like John's original statement about how it was a lot of fun. This movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of fun, even though he said, and I agree, there was a lot of just really silly things that mm-hmm. you go, oh, come on. But it was so much fun, and I kept thinking about that line that is always, uh, or uh, yeah, that story that, that's always attributed to Harrison Ford when they were shooting uh, the original Star Wars. Supposedly, uh, uh, Hamill said, you know, after the trash compactor scene, uh, he says, oh, but we're all, you know, the next scene, you know, was shot at a different time. And says, oh, but we're all dry. We were all wet in that one. Won't people notice? And he said, hey, kid, if that's what they're paying attention to, we're, we got bigger problems or some that effect, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning they're not entertained and they're paying attention to the details. Well, we kind of noticed a lot of the ridiculous stuff, but it was fun. It was so much fun and just entertaining that, eh, whatever, that was... <laughs> <laughs> the, some of the things made you wonder if the different parts of the scenes were rendered in different places that the depth of the lakes kept changing or the, you know, yeah. these different things that were just kind of silly. Oh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you noticed, but uh, kind of didn't care. Yes, like when Kong is uh, nearly burnt to death and just lying there near death and then comes back and not only has he got his strength back, but his fur is back too. <laughs> Napalm so. is nothing to this guy. 
exactly. It's just all all it is to him is a hair care product. I did. I he's got the Wolverine. It's a leave-in uh, right. ability a, to heal, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, oh. it's a leave-in conditioner. What I wanted to say was that I was perfectly happy as a kid with the uh, guys in suits and the the detailed balsa wood models that they smashed. I always thought that that was very cool. Um, I mean, I was a big fan of the Aurora model kits. I made model airplanes and trains and monsters. The Phantom of the Opera. The Forgotten Prisoner of Castle Mar. Uh, You're so adorable, Scott. I know. <laughs> and uh, so precious. But now kaiju films have reached a, le- a level of just visual fidelity and believability that I never imagined, and now I don't quite know what to do with that. For instance, I never thought that I would take so much delight from a movie in which King Kong snacks on calamari. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, I, was that a little bit of where they slip it? You know, you know, you know how TV shows and movies kind of give a little bit to the shippers, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just a nod, just a little bit, just enough, and it doesn't take much. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, to to keep them going, is it a little nod to the that the fetish with the it, it is Japanese I was thinking, fetish? I was thinking tentacle porn. Yeah, I was thinking hentai. Yeah, a little, a little <laughs> bit, a little bit. It's, it was calamari sushi, so you know. <laughs> that's true. That's right. That's all. Yeah, it's a, it's a. Yeah, maybe it's just a nod to Japanese cuisine. Not, not, not so much the, yeah. the seamier underside of their culture. Um, but speaking of shippers, uh, that does bring up the intent of, I guess it's Universal is doing this, to have a, a big monster universe, not unlike the Toho and Dai films of Japan in the 60s and the 70s. Uh, so next up, Kong's going to be fighting Godzilla. And watching this movie, just like in, God, in the recent Godzilla film, Kong's not really a bad guy. Uh, Kong kills a bunch of people, but uh, he's, he has a perfectly reasonable excuse for it. And uh, while Godzilla causes a tremendous amount of uh, collateral damage and loss of life, he's basically the hero of that film because he defeats the, the much more evil and uh, vengeful and destructive kaiju. So... I wondered if it's going to be like a the typical superhero movie where you have two superheroes, they meet, there's a misunderstanding, they fight, and then they team up against some other threat. Are Godzilla and Kong both going to be good guys in the next film, do you think? Or is one of them going to have to take the villain role? And if so, which one? Uh, you mean it's going to be like, oh, what's that film with uh, they, had, they had the different caps? Ah, with the terrible books. Tell me, Blanche. The vampire, the vampire book. The terrible Twilight? vampire books. Twilight, oh, yes. yes. Where you were either... In one, in one camp. camp or another camp. Oh, oh okay. So, yeah. so are you, are, are you are you team Godzilla or are you team uh, Kong? Exactly. That's what's going to happen. You know, yeah. You know, I wouldn't be surprised because you can drum up stupid competition and people to come and like, yeah, I'm team Kong. Like, it's it'd be easy, free, cheap uh, publicity to be like team Kong, team Godzilla, mm. team Mothra, team whatever. Oh. You know what? I I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't. And that's probably it. Wouldn't be a probably wouldn't be a dumb thing for them to do. To be honest, it probably would work. But oi, that's <laughs> all I have to say. Which which one was it that used to like shoot out electrical shot? Uh, you know, lightning, etc. Because I, I know that Godzilla, it would his back would get glowing, and then he would just like this have this flame or steam coming out of his his mouth but right. one of them actually would fire out like thun- like lightning bolts because i have this very clear image of one of the multiple monster movies where i and i don't think it was kong i think it was godzilla uh 
it would get shot in the chest with this electrical thing, and he would cover his chest, and then we shoot him in the belly, and he would cover his belly, and he kept mm. on going up and down and up and down and up and down, and it was just this really comical moment that I just just stuck in my head up from these films. That could have been calling all monsters. I don't know. Could have been, yeah. I I think that, it was. That's one yeah, of the things I have to say I liked about those movies because I saw them when I was a kid, and there's a lot of humor, you know, intended for children. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot exactly. of physical comedy okay. in them, which I think is part of the reason they um, they translated so well uh, to to other cultures and were and were yeah. so popular worldwide. I will say about Kong Skull Island, it was kind of grim. There was not a lot of comic relief in it. Yeah, the captain. What is his name? The guy that the the guy that was stuck oh, on the right. island. Oh right, he 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 was all John C. Riley was all the comedy. John C. Riley. Yeah, he, and he was, and he was comical. He was very well. Him comical. and I have to say, probably uh, um, Sam Jackson provided some of the comedy, though. Probably the comedy was provided through his intensity. Yes, I, I think one of the things we were talking about after we walked out of the movie was um, Sam Jackson has reached an age and a stature where he can he gets the Ahab role now. Uh, yes, I, it was not too That's long the ago. That's point I was going to make. Yeah, not too long ago, where Sam Jackson would have been the guy who was rolling his eyes, making the jerk off motion, saying, "This is bullshit. You're just going to get us all killed." And now he's the guy who's going to get them all killed. He's the. Well, guy I couldn't guy. help thinking about him in this movie. I mean, probably because he said, "Hang on to your butts," but it, I kept thinking about Jurassic Park and like this. It's like this is his arc, mm-hmm. right? That monster movie where he's just the, the tech computer guy and he's doing his job and he, he's not the character role. He just does what he does. And then now he's this now he's Ahab. And that was so interesting. Okay, so um so it was so interesting how they, they kinda split this movie up. John Goodman is the lead at the very beginning and he drives the film. And then mm-hmm. Sam Jackson shows up and he's basically the lead and is driving the film for a, a great deal of this. And then, and then, then Hiddleston takes over towards the end, and and he's driving. And uh, I mean, obviously, Kong drives a good portion of it. But I mean, as far as the human leads, uh, that that's kind of how they split it up. And I, I thought that was really interesting because I was wondering, with because of the various trailers, I I didn't know who the lead was, if there was a lead, and 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 I uh, I think it was you. Someone had mentioned how. Oh no! I think there's no lead. Everybody's cannon fodder. It's just these are the names. Well, you, know, you did notice that uh, that stopping a person's film when he got killed. Well, <laughs> so. No, 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 no. John Goodman was on. He was alive long after. I, I think I would argue that 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 Sam Jackson became the lead. Mm-hmm. John Goodman was no longer the lead, and he was alive. And Hiddleston was around for that entire time as well. I mean, we meet Hiddleston back when John Goodman is still, in my, to my mind, considered the lead, and he doesn't take over till towards the end i would say right uh john goodman survives a little bit he survives past the point where he's no longer the lead just long enough to supply some exposition and some uh motivation for um mm-hmm. sam jackson to get pissed about things he didn't know uh it was the, the trailer was one of the things about the trailers that was very interesting and and kind of put me off the film because it did seem like they had no clue who, who the star of their movie was supposed to be. I mean, obviously the star of their movie is Kong. But um, in some scene, I mean, in no trailer I ever saw did Brie Larson get a single line. So I was prepared. Mm-hmm. I was actually mildly surprised. I won't say satisfied, but I was surprised that she had more to do in the movie than I thought. But my expectations were rock bottom, so that's not saying much. Um, in, in some scene, exactly. that, in some of the trailers I Are saw... We- 
Uh, some of the trailers right. I saw, Hiddleston didn't even appear. Sometimes he was in the front, are, he was in the forefront, and sometimes he was just gone, and it was Sam Jackson. Right, right. But are we, um, are we all glad that the thing between uh, Beauty and the Beast was not romantic? Yes. <laughs> I, that's one of the things I have to say I did like about this movie, is that, that they gave a really good and <laughs> plausible, perhaps, and, and less kind of icky yeah. reason why... Uh, he leaves her alone because he, he, he witnesses her attempting to save one of his creatures that he protects, right? And so he deems... I mean, I, the, I have to say that this, this movie did a good job of, of, of showing Kong's thought process. And we could see that he saw her do this and say, okay, you're one of the good ones. I'm going to leave you alone. And, and, and the way he protects, I, I even went so far as to say, in my mind... Uh, until you give me reason otherwise. And well, each time they met up, he's, he, she didn't seem to do anything to aggravate that. And then she seemed to realize that later on. So when Hiddleston, he saw Hiddleston, Kong saw Hiddleston, uh, she took his hand to kind of protect him. And I thought that was nice, too. I mean, it's just they're little gestures. It's wonderful. It's like, hey, this is a visual medium. If you're paying attention, all you need is one little full gesture to to get the point across and i liked that uh that that's okay. a very good point and it it, it I, I do i did like the fact that they you know they still had uh kong kind of uh taking a shine to the golden goddess and the you know the the, the old andero character from the 33 kong but this time it was completely devoid of that weird jungle fevery sort of uh bestiality mm -hmm. element that they had before somebody it, this also reminds me that somebody online um, and I didn't get into it with them about it, but somebody said, why the hell were the natives there? The natives were so racist in the first one and they were just, and they didn't need to be there. It was just because it was, it was made in the thirties. So of course you had to have, you had to have scared natives. I think the natives were there for a similar reason because they our heroes. If you want to call them that show up dropping these bombs on Kong's Island, uh, stirring up the subterranean creatures that Kong that Kong is there to keep in check, so he immediately starts killing the army detachment. So, so you think, okay, why would he ever? If this, he he's met people, this is and his introduction to people is, well, they're incredibly destructive. I better get rid of them. Why would he ever stop killing them? And the reason for that, to my mind, was because there are people on the island that he knows are not dangerous. Right. And that yeah, that's that I think that yes. was their purpose. Their purpose was mm -hmm. to say show that. Kong is really a good guy. Yeah. Uh, that he's protecting a bunch of people and keeping them alive from a much greater danger. So I think yeah, they actually found a way of making the the natives who were very problematic in the 33 version uh, serve a, uh, a sensible, a, a good story purpose. And comedic relief for John C. Riley to give all of his exposition out and say how he got all this information and and just kind of work off of them, even though they didn't say anything. Exactly, which was, uh, one, it was, a, it was a good way to avoid the, well, do we give them just some made-up gobbledygook language, or do we figure out some sort of Melanesian dialect? And, uh, and yeah, I th I th it was actually kind of funny that, that none of them spoke. And it wasn't, you didn't get the sense that they didn't have a language. You just say, like, well, I'm not, I have nothing to say to you people. Um, exactly. But I, I did I did like the I have to say the, the John C. Riley character completely worked for me. It could have been a huge disaster because he was all yes. about the he, he was all he was just there for info dumps. But his info <laughs> dumps were funny. He, yes. he, he, he took a very he, he squatted, but he would take a very entertaining info dump every five yeah. minutes. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, We're all going to die together. You you shouldn't have come here. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, those moments like that just I don't I don't know if I haven't read anything about this or any trivia or whatever, so I have no idea. But they felt improvised. They just mm-hmm. felt like maybe they just said, "Hey, why don't you just say some random stuff now?" You know, well, I'm going to kill right. you. You know, he says he says the, just the crazy stuff that comes out of his mouth and. And it was so funny, though, and you think, oh, that's the one they picked out of how many takes, I don't know, that they just said, just go ahead, go on, and we'll just take what we like. So at the end, though, how they do that, and it's kind of funny, and you go, oh, that's sweet. And they do that whole montage showing him back home in the States to his wife and son, Right. and apparently she didn't uh, move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and she recognized and, him right away. Yeah. I just, I just wanted one shot. You know, after he's got his beer and he's watching the ball game and he's got his hot dog and he's, you know, watching the game and uh, you know he's got his feet up on the coffee table or whatever. I just wanted one of those photos to show her in the background and silhouette with her, you know, face palming like, oh my yeah. god. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just oh god. You know, she's stuck. All those cheers and hasn't changed a bit. <laughs> or he's crazy. Oh my God, my life now is this. This is my life. Oh, I got so used <laughs> to you being dead. You were so good yes. At it. Well, wouldn't she? She's an independent single mom. Son is grown. She just she was about to get rid of him. Yeah. And then he shows up, putting his feet on the coffee table, wanting hot dogs and beer every night. I've, front of the tv so you can watch the ball game oh my I gosh i was finally gonna take that pottery <laughs> class exactly well speaking exactly. of speaking of little codas the post-credit sequence in this got the audience very excited and i think with good cause since we'll just it's been out for a while we'll just be very spoiler about it oh because we haven't already I, I still think they're gonna. I still think Kong and, and Godzilla are gonna fight when they first meet. But I think these are the threats that they're gonna. Um, they're going to unite to fight. It was it was it was Rodan, it was Ghidra, it was uh, Mothra who will probably who will be on their side, obviously. And there was one other uh, giant monster. Oh, Ghidra, Mothra, and uh, the turtle. What's the turtle? Oh, Gamera. Gamera. Was it Gamera? Gam- it was Gamera. Oh, well, Gamera. Gamera, Gamera might or might not be on on uh, Kong and Godzilla's side then. Probably will be. I'm sure Mothra will be. But I just I was just upset that they didn't have tiny little three little tiny little Japanese girls. Two. You know, Isn't that two? The, two. Two, yeah. In in the uh the paint the cave paintings. Right. Well <laughs> maybe maybe they were, but they were just like tiny they were made to scale. Too small. So you couldn't see exactly. them. Exactly. Could be that the that the next film will essentially be calling all monsters. Mm. Uh, which would make me so happy. Really? You think they'll just like they no, introduced I don't no, go I, for it. I don't think they will. I would love it if they would. But that I they think wouldn't gonna... shoot their wad. I don't think they will. <laughs> I think they're going to want to stretch this out. I think it's too soon. I do. I agree. I think it's too soon. I think they want to at least have another one or two. I mean, yeah. as long as they're profitable. Oh, they. Yeah, I mean, they're, they are. They have a long game. It, it's pretty obvious. I mean, the fact that they confronted the problem with, well, let's just somebody had the great marketing notion of, well, let's have Godzilla and King Kong fight. Yeah, but Godzilla, we made King, Godzilla so big in this movie that King Kong would basically come up, up to, like, his hip. We said, oh, well, he's kept growing. Yes. Who, who knows how big he'll be by the, That's by right. the next they time we see him. That's right. They say that. He's still growing. He's a grown boy. You know, in in the vein of, uh, of Universal's bringing back its old monsters, right, mm-hmm. um, I'm, seeing a, I'm seeing a pattern here. They're oh. going from being, because basically those old monster films were really mysteries. 
Yeah. And yeah. now they're all turning into action films. So yes, that's a very good that's a very good point. Horror films back then were big on on suspense and atmosphere. And yeah, yeah n- nowadays uh, the Dracula Untold and what I've seen only in trailers, all indications, the new Mummy, they're pure action films. But yep. okay, so Dracula Untold though that that's the one with uh, Luke Evans, the one that came out. Luke Evans, thank you, mm-hmm. with Gaston. In it, um, yeah. um, that's the film he see, was living that, down by playing Gaston. Gaston, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, that was a lot of fun. That movie, I liked it. Was so it? That's yeah. Oh gosh, I had a good time. I I was really worried and really expected. Quick review. I was really worried and expecting the worst because when I when Beauty and the Beast came out, the cartoon, I loved it. I was a kid and it was like my favorite movie for a while. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't imagine Emma Watson can do crap with Belle. And I thought, oh, she's horrible and it's going to be awful. But no, it was fun. It was a great thing. And you get more depth. It was, it's, it's, it's perfect for someone who saw Beauty and the Beast as a kid. And then you grow up and you get to see actual human emotions on the characters and go, oh, oh, wow, that was deep. <laughs> yeah. oh. So we throw in an extra movie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, so Luke Evans, back to the Dracula thing. Uh, that was awful. Uh, yes. But that was that was Universal's attempt to re-animate uh, 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 Dracula. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess. Those old films were really scary. But they, they're, but they're very suspenseful and very scary. Yeah. Uh, I, they, I have this. I have this one clear image of this sticks with me all the time. Is the beginning of uh, Werewolf of London. These paws climbing up a trellis, going the music going. Dun, dun, dun. And I remember it so clearly. I could picture it in my mind over and over and over again. But yeah, these no, these are just going to be the hero. Hero takes care of everything. But no, but wait, going back to the Dracula though, that was like just like uh, the Godzilla movie that came out most recently, and just like this Kong movie, we're supposed to be sympathetic with the monster. We're supposed, and we were supposed to be sympathetic with Dracula. But the mummy uh, trailers don't look like we're supposed to be sympathetic with the mummy at all. We're supposed to be sympathetic with Tom Cruise, is what it seems like. Right, and and it's a different that's mummy. different. It's, that's... it's a different mummy. It's the it's the princess who's the bad guy. Not the uh, Caris, who was the uh, protector of the princess, who's the bad guy. Oh, okay, but the point is, it's it's not going with the whole. We right. thought we knew who the right. bad guy was. Now you right. get to see it from their point of view, and you can sympathize with them. At least so far, right. the trailers aren't indicating that she's all bad and saying, ah, "I'm taking revenge" or whatever. Yeah, so that maybe, that's a departure. Maybe she's just misunderstood. Come on, we don't know yet. It's I, true. I have, the trailers are early, so maybe yeah. it changes. I don't know. I have a feeling though, she she she's creating a lot of property damage. I have a feeling she's they're not. They're, you're probably right. They're probably not going to maleficent her up for this film. Right, and and they should have. Universal should have learned from you know Warner Brothers' mistakes with you know the the, the Superman movie where. No, you can't create huge property damage and expect us to sympathize with your hero. <laughs> yeah, here's here's how I feel about that. I like my villains unsympathetic and scary. I like my monsters to be monstrous. And I like my heroes to be sympathetic and not so scary. So, yeah, uh, turning turning Superman into a morally gray character in Man of Steel was not a good idea. And, especially uh, Superman, for crying out loud. Especially Superman. That is the cardinal sin with Superman. Yeah. But he and I think, Superman. Yeah. And That's I think, what I don't Batman think, is for. 
And I think it was probably a, the reverse was a bad idea for Dracula and Tolp because I don't think I think most people want their monsters to be monsters. I don't think they want to go, oh, yeah, here's one more screwed up, uh, misunderstood fellow who turned bad, but he had his reasons. Monster with an explanation. But but wasn't he always slightly sympathetic? I mean, he did everything he did for love. And, you know, even in the Bram Stoker version, I mean, he. No, he's pure evil I mean, in the Bram Stoker version. He's I, like he's not on like a pestilence. At least that was my reading. Yeah, well, you have a heart of stone. See, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm adorable, but I have a heart of stone. I am, I am a very Don't. complex character. Don't I, confuse love with sex. I mean, he used sexuality to lure his victims. Oh, yeah. this is true. That well, but not yeah, yeah. But that that's the old the the movies. Tom Stoker was kind of he was that was he was gross. He <laughs> was kind of gross. Yeah, well, there's very gross it things in it. It was very gross. <laughs> anyway, okay. We're not here to talk about Dracula. <laughs> apparently, we, apparently we are. So, okay. Any last thoughts on Kong before we move on to the next film? Well, you, you had mentioned Ahab, and I, I thought, I didn't realize that when, when I was watching this, I watched this scene where the two antagonists stare each other down. And I go, this is so familiar. Why is this so familiar? And you guys are right. It's it's Moby Dick. Yep. It's uh, Ahab staring down the white whale. You know, it's exactly that. That's why it was so familiar. Yeah, you're right. They make very uncomfortable but, eye contact. Yeah. Anyway. Which, which they don't do in Japanese films because they don't. it's rude to make eye contact in Japan. So. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so, you have to keep your head down. Yeah. So, nobody has to worry keep about getting it. Nobody has to worry about getting in a staring contest with Godzilla. Stomped, yeah. yes. And you, they keep bumping into things when they keep looking down, but still, it's you know, it's part of the protocol. Exactly. That's what you... Hey, hey a few bumps and bruises are a small price to pay for a functioning shame-based culture. <laughs> Speaking of which, our second uh, film is Ghost <laughs> in the Shell. Well done, Lovely you. segue. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> and uh, if you have seen Ghost in the Shell... I don't know what to tell you. Uh, if you haven't seen <laughs> Ghost in the Shell, you've probably heard that there's a bit of controversy uh, swirling around it. What? Associated, yes, shockingly, with uh, Scarlett Johansson's cast, the uh, role of uh, Major Motoko Kusanagi. I, th- I have a feeling the filmmakers thought that this all would sort of die off when the film was released, and they saw we saw how brilliantly they cheated their way out of it. Uh, yes, that was a good cheat. I actually, I had to give them kudos for that. Like, oh, well done. Okay. Yeah, they, that they, was good. They made they made a big effort, but whether they were successful or not, I guess we'll see. It's not steamrolling its way through the box office, not in this domestic market in the U.S., but it is mm-hmm. doing really well internationally, and that's that's the thing that we have to keep in mind because I see it all over Twitter going, oh, look at how horrible it's doing. A cartoon baby is better than it is. Yeah, but. Other uh, industry blogs are pointing to, look, it's doing great overseas, and that was the whole point. And Hollywood loves to make crappy movies that they know are going to do well overseas because that's the market they're targeting, not really home. Home is just, the domestic market is just gravy, and I kind of get the sense, and I don't know for a fact, of course, because I don't know anything, but I kind of get the sense that that's kind of what they were going for with this. Anything they gotten here would be gravy and like, yay, Garjo, everybody loves her. They all want to see the Black Widow movie, which I still want to see. This this movie just made me want to see that even more. It did it did answer a burning question for me, having seen the the original. Uh, is I sat there saying, 
Why does a synthetic body need nipples? Complete with aureola. And they answered it. It doesn't. You know, I don't know why. Oh, well, I do know why. If, if I'm watching Japanese anime, I understand perfectly why. There are people who are watching the cartoon. Like, ooh, boobies. Cartoon yeah, boobies, yeah. yay. But, yeah, uh, yeah I know. I, the, the Ghost in the Shell, I, I enjoy Japanese anime. I enjoy anime, and I've, and I've watched several and stuff. And Ghost in the Shell had been on my must-watch list for a long time, but I just never got to it. And so, because we were doing this, I finally did. And I just felt, ugh. You know what? I don't. I I guess you know. I keep seeing these articles. They're saying, "Oh, it was so groundbreaking at the time," but and it was was in the '90s, and I don't see why it was groundbreaking at the time. Uh, it's definitely to me. I saw it I recently. Can. I I thought it was dated, and the whole question of you know ghosts in the shell, what what constitutes humanity. I think Blade Runner did it better. What was it, ten year a decade earlier? And I know, but that was live action versus animation yeah. but i just i don't and I, and i will caveat by saying i haven't seen blade runner recently to see how well it stands up to the test of time but to my memory it does a better job that this this felt really dated to me and i was actually underwhelmed by it and maybe you, i built you're it talking about me. the original not the, the original not anime the well it had two things it had things going for it in that one of the things that was most striking about it was how much background they had in in all the scenes, the things that were going on behind what you actually you the were watching, active the animation, animation of the active animation behind all these things that were going on all over it while the action is happening in the foreground, uh, that that like, I can see where that spent they spent a lot of time and a lot of money on that to get that uh, to going. So so it had that going for it, but what it had going against it, which is stunning to me, is I thought it was very talky and preachy, but it turns out that a lot of it was because the the woman reading Major was doing exactly that. She was reading Major. I mean, it was, there was no real anything in her voice other than I'm reading this off of a page. So, uh, yes. it, it, it made it seem longer and preachier than it really was. Honestly, now you have vo voice actors critiquing another voice actor because it's true, I have to agree. Like, ugh, oh my god, this is awful. <laughs> Could you have gotten someone else to be the voice actor for this? This is, she just was, it was like she had a page in front of her, it was handed her to her that moment. She was reading for the first time I was, ever. I always felt that she, that she made a choice to play the major as somebody who has suppressed her emotions because she can't, because that would bring up her feelings about being... Yes, but she would still body. have opinions, not necessarily feelings, and it right. was devoid of any of that. Yeah, the, whenever she would talk, it would be like she was listing things. She would be a list of yes, things that she was reading. Things. However, I will say that, that one of the things about the, the live action thing that I kind of was impre found impressive is how many things they kept and or brought forward from the anime. Yes. Uh, even the small things, like like the 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 briefcase machine guns, they were used differently, but they were there. Mm -hmm. They looked just that, just like the way they did in the anime and stuff. And that that scene in the uh, in the water, mm -hmm. that was almost a shot for shot, you know. They, the fight. Yeah. yeah, I have to agree. They did a good job of picking some of the better visuals in the anime and just saying, you know what, we're going to make this work and we're going to make it fit somehow in our film. It may not be the same scene, but we're going to put it in, and they did. And so, look, I have no problems with the visuals in this film. The, the visuals are interesting some of them are really exciting i mentioned blade runner before some of the uh like the advertising and all the stuff going on the, the background scenes 
I, it made me think about Blade Runner because that had such Blade Runner had such a very clear idea of what its future looks like, and so did this. So it reminded me of that. Not that they were similar, but that it, it they were very clear and it was well rendered. And so I, I think the visuals of this film are really good. But honestly, at the end of the day, I thought Scarlett Johansson did a good job of creating this kind of robotic, conflicted, but not fully connected to humanity character. I have to say that I think I I, I did really like her performance, but the film itself kind of left me as cold and meh as the original anime. So, I don't know, maybe they hit their mark as far as storytelling, because after I saw the anime, I didn't really care. Mm -hmm. And on this one, I didn't care that much either. I liked I what I saw, but I didn't care for the story. I did have I did have some of the problems with some of the changes they did make from the story, because I get the sense they felt that uh, that what was going on in the anime was a little too nebulous and too geeky and too uh, brainy for for audiences that, that 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 would watch this live action. So instead of having this uh, this piece of code that becomes sentient and can move from body to body and is luring this her to join him in the in the web. It made it like, oh, yeah, we were kids together, and they took us away, and I took our bodies and used our bodies and stuff like that, and or used our brains and put them into other bodies. You know, it's like, change that story. I went, ah, that doesn't quite explain what he's lying there saying, come with me. What yeah. do you mean, come with you? You know, yeah, it, <laughs> come it, with you how? Yeah, it would make, it would make sense if, yeah, ex exactly. If I there was that. an essence that could move from body to body. Right. right. Did it seem that it was, it was very sinister that they were taking these children they're teenagers runaways right taking them out of their bodies and putting and then which by the way is, if you haven't seen the movie spoiler alert how they make it so that scarlett johansson who's not japanese can be the character because they they take the japanese character out of her japanese body and put her in the scarjo body so it's still her but it's not her and she, and she immediately loses her accent <laughs> well it's a whole other whatever right they yeah. created her um, so no, I, I have to say, wow, well done. You, I, I buy it, but it doesn't doesn't absolve you from anything necessarily. It doesn't absolve from the whitewashing, but it's uh, it, no, it's, it, they it's came, a, at least they came up with something. It's a dog. What were you gonna say, Scott? Go ahead. Yeah, well, go ahead. Gonna, go back. We were filling. <laughs> you thank you. My, I, I guess the point <laughs> I was making was, uh, and this is something that John kind of brought up, where, where. If the guy, if, if it was sentient code that could move into this cyberspace and he was and it was a way for her to do that and he invited her to join with the end and she made a choice to know I'm going to I'm going to assert my humanity. That's a choice. And that's that's interesting. But in the, the way the movie was set up, she's going to like, well, how am I supposed to do that? I, mm -hmm. I've got a I've got a brain. Where am I going to go? So right. it's more, more seem like you don't seem to understand how brains work. <laughs> right. Exactly. So interesting because I kind of yeah. got the sense that it was it that not just that, but it was like, ah, no, I kind of like being able to move freely about this world, not just in electronic form, but to be able to be an individual throughout. I mean, free will is still a, a part of this story, which is probably the best part. And, and it's a really old story, isn't it? I mean, it's biblical, the whole notion of free will and the ability to mm -hmm separate from your creator or from whatever and, and be allowed to make your own choices and so at least on that respect this this story is universal and 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 is resonant but i well anyway i said already i just kind of felt it was a yeah. meh way of well, telling you, you i think it's up, been told better before you brought it that brings up something that i don't want to say eaten away at me but i cannot get past this thought 
that when I saw the film and I thought, oh, it's going to be an interesting up- update of a film that I'm sure looks very dated now, the, the original anime, I was shocked by how 90s this film felt, not in its uh, visual style, but in its ideas. And I think it kind of missed a boat. What I think is the more crucial social issue now, which is how much of our privacy have we given away? And the more we integrate computers into our lives, the less of ourselves we have any hope of keeping private. And it seemed like it didn't want to deal with that at all. It didn't really know what her problem was. It was well, interestingly, it, it was only ahead, that. Sorry. Well, I guess that my point is that it wasn't interested in in the ideas or the issues that are inherent in her situation, which you could have gone mm-hmm. several different ways with. It seems like it, it 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 defaulted to, oh, there's a mystery, there's a MacGuffin, her identity, her past, and it's like, well, that's only of interest to her. If it's if it's a if it's a, a social idea, something about that could affect everybody. Uh, like for instance, if if there's a if there's a you know, everyone gets these implants and there's a virus that could affect everyone's ability to access free will or something that that could affect society. The the stakes in this movie were so small. It was just well, her see, getting back her history. You know, here's, well, here's the thing: is here's the, they, the, the one of the problems was is that this film differently uh, other than the, different from the anime was it provided a specific bad guy, which wasn't true in the other one. Is this this guy who's controlling everything and stealing these bodies? And so to tell that story, you had to go away from the other story, you know, and ma- and leave the other story just hanging. You're going to say something, Blanche? You mentioned Scott that the whole privacy, that whole thing. I mean, that's definitely interesting. It's definitely much more prescient today, specifically today, when you have our president, Mr. Trump. You know, now he he just signed what yesterday, where he allows companies, uh, internet online companies, to use all of our information however they will. Uh, so that's that's a real problem now. Now, when the, when uh, the the anime was done, I mean, this is the '90s. The internet, the users in the internet were just brand new. In fact, probably for me, I probably didn't even have an email address back then. Um, so. That was not a thing, and it both anime and and live action film. I mean, privacy is not even an issue anymore. It's a non-issue. They're they're scanning people. They're scanning entire buildings. Let's see who's there, how many people, where are you? Exactly. Like that's not even a thing. So it wasn't an issue in the first film. And you're right. They didn't. They missed the boat to turn it into something. You're absolutely right. It could have been something really prescient for today, specifically today. For her, the filmmakers did want to make free will the big thing because they showed us that (laughs) throughout the entire thing. She was uh, disobeying orders. Wait, is that the same thing in the in the anime too? I'm every time. Yeah, so that was a big deal that they wanted to con- carry through is that, he, you know, the guy in charge would say, don't do it, don't do it, and she would just do whatever she wanted. So free will between both the anime and in the current one, that's the point as far as I think the filmmakers are concerned. Her free will, as that makes her human. I think that's their point. Free will makes her human. One of the odd things that they changed, and I, I didn't even see the point of it, and it was a, it's a small thing, but it just, why? Uh, is why does uh, tearing the hatch off of a tank make it explode? Okay, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Sorry, you're right. That's a good question, but I just want to say, going back to the biblical thing, free will is what makes us human. God's angels do not have free will, but we do. And that's what separates us so anyway, so I think that's the that's part, I'm sorry, I'm just going what I think the original anime part of and then this, so that's it. Done. So to 
bookend. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> To bookend uh, Blige's comment <laughs> with what I was trying to say was, um, in the in the anime, uh, she was fighting the tank. She could not get the hatch open, and Baku, what is his name? Whatever his name was, it was Baku, right? Batu. Batu comes and shoots the tank with the big gun, right? And so, and that's what stops it and stuff and and disables it. And since he shows up right after that anyway. Why make it? She rips off the hatch and boom goes the tank. You know, I don't. And of course we. And we rips her out of her body. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that was the other thing when I when I saw the anime was that uh, how how do uh, artificial uh, muscles burst through artificial skin? I don't. I just weird because of the strain. I, yeah, because it it's all mechanical. They wouldn't flex. Yeah, it's it's all mechanical, so I, I don't know. I understand, but they did it in this one too because they were trying to be faithful for that. But it was just weird. Why, you know, it boom goes weird. the tank. You watch and you go, "Why is that it's happening?" It's a striking image, but I mean, it just makes you think. The hydraulics well, burst, apparently. Ah, uh, right. that's always messy. I- <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think it's time to move on to fascinating, irritating thing, and let's start with John. <laughs> oh wait, uh, for both films. You know what you can do? You can do either one. You can do You're one of each. You're a human being and one. you have free will. You, do exactly. as you wish. Okay. There's nothing right. I can't control you. Um, You're, ro- You're, rogue. You're a loose cannon. <laughs> the fascinating was the certainly the imagery of uh, Ghost in the Shell, uh, of their imagery of what the future is going to look like with uh, ads being everywhere, as holo- standing holograms doing different things instead of billboards. Um, that was kind of interesting. It was a little kind of silly to have these uh, hologram, hologram fish going through the, the streets because you need a projector <laughs> and you need actually, you know, anyway. But um, that was kind of fascinating. Then I, I hear that even though people think that it was Hong Kong, it was not Hong Kong, but it was based on Hong Kong. The the city was based on Hong Kong. The, the thing, it's the New Zealand. It, it's in New Zealand, but it uh, but it supposedly is is somewhere in Japan. Because the prime minister is in charge, etc. Um, that was that, and then then the uh, the thing that was was irritating or frustrating to me was the fact that uh, they felt they needed to have this this kidnap basis for this and a bad guy that does it. So they needed to somehow not have this ethereal thing being the problem, where it's he's not really bad, he's not really good, he just jumps from body to body. That you have somebody who's really bad and has to be taken care of. And uh, it just shows it doesn't trust us, basically. You know? Yeah, they made, they made the bad guy very conventional. Yeah. Very true. But Fascinating that King Kong, or Kong, Skull Island, was uh, able to convince me that Tom Hiddleston could be a burly, outdoorsy adventure guy. Might I actually make it credible. I saw him in that role. He might make a good Bond, after all. Maybe. You have a ways to get me there uh i'm not a i'm not a hiddleston fangirl so i mean i like him as loki but i'm not going all over myself and i don't see i i mean i when i heard he was cast as kong i was like really that guy like he was he was fine in the uh what's that what was that miniseries janush uh, was it the night manager uh the the night manager, night manager yes. thank you thought that he did great but the whole point was that he was uh, be, he would be underestimated that was the whole point that he was kind of, you could overlook him and not, you know, expect him to be this suave, you know, sneaky guy. But being a burly, like, I'm outdoorsy and I can kick ass and I can, uh, you know, no, no, no. 
but they did a good job and so I, I, I was impressed. That was fascinating. Um, annoying. Oh, I can't remember. I, I, I am irritated that I had that because of this, I ended up watching. No, I was going to watch the anime anyway, but <laughs> I was irritated that I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would, as much as I'd hoped I would. It was on my to watch list for years. I finally got around to seeing it. It's supposed to be this transformative, amazing, groundbreaking thing, and I was underwhelmed the anime maybe it was um, on your list I, for too long have you waited perhaps to it? yeah maybe it it's was stale it did go stale because uh i i, I don't want to condemn the new m- movie to be it's not as bad as for me what was avatar visually a beautiful movie but like really that was awful script wise in my opinion um i think this was better than that just slightly uh, but it was it just Yes, slightly better because Avatar left me going, oh my god, that was an awful film. Beautiful to see in full IMAX 3D. And if you didn't watch it in that, whoa, whoa, more of the pity for you. But um, but this one, uh, I was okay with it. It was visually, I think, very interesting. But uh, it left me as cold, not as cold uh, as, as the anime. Oh, I remember what the irritating was. Mm-hmm. That they cast Michael Pitt as uh, the puppet master, right? Mm-hmm. A man more beautiful than the woman, than the drawn anime female they had that character in, in the anime. That's it. That was irritating. <laughs> Michael Pitt was yeah. more beautiful than the anime woman they drew before. I have to say, I have to wonder. I, I did wonder about that because uh, Michael Michael Pitt's a very, you know, he's a very handsome man. Why are they covering up with all this? weird CG and and uh, these these this they're defacing him with these digital effects it just seems like well why just hey you could cast Harry Dean Stanton if you're going to do that so I guess we've learned that if you're going to wait years to watch Ghost in the Shell you should instead watch Ghost in the Can because it doesn't go stale <laughs> <laughs> but how okay how irritating was it that our favorite uh, Rainbow Bright Warrior was like nothing in Very Kong. To, yeah, to, just for, for people who are confused by that reference, the uh, Chinese actress who played General Blue, uh, commander of the uh, Chinese forces on the Great Wall in the film of the same name, who, who was a great character and had a terrific part, played, she wasn't even, she wasn't even a, a deliverer of exposition. She was a receiver of exposition. She, she had very few lines. She played a uh, technician. A mousy scientist. A mousy scientist who was just there to have the black guy tell her about the monsters. Very disappointing. Except, voice. hey, two minorities in the scene together not talking about a white guy? No, that's, I don't know. Anyway, that's, sorry. I was trying yeah, to that, apply the Bechtel test. I was about to say, that's, some, that's... Yes, we're, 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 we're blazing bold new trails <laughs> in the Bechtel test. All right, well, thanks very much, you guys. I, I think I will be back in the next segment with Jeff talking about this same crap. And in a series of events which could only be considered worthy of an epic CW crossover event, Scott has finished his super secret writing project early. A lot of shit has happened in the last 24 hours. And Scott is with me here now. How you doing? It feels like it's been so long. (laughs) now uh real fast before we get into all of the really cool shit that has gone down in the last 24 to 48 hours um 
the other stuff that is supposed to be on this clip show, there is some other stuff that I recorded with Indy. There's actually some a conversation that I recorded with Scott. And there is a little extra teeny tiny bit with Mrs. C is going to go into part two of this crossover, which, of course, is going to be writer's block, which will air next week. This same bat time, this same bat channel. It's the uh, Slumgullion Annex. Yeah. Also, I uh, wanted to say, uh, you Blanche and Scott, uh, you Blanche and John, very good job on Ghost in the Shell and Kong. Um, we're not going to talk about the same crap because, like I said, there's new stuff. All I will say is I love Kong, Ghost in the Shell. I love Blade Runner. Scott. <laughs> yes. We have to talk Star Wars, but first, we do have something that we should discuss first. Um, Mystery Science Theater is back. Yes, and I want to say something. A moment of self-congratulation. I hope everyone will forgive me. But, uh, as you may recall, they've uh, Joel thinks, Joel Hodgson, the creator, thinks that uh, the shows work best if you really don't know too much about the movies going in, which is why they like to, to find really obscure films, not just bad, not just bad, right. but obscure. So they kept the, ti- the titles of the movies being riffed in this new season, this 11th season of Mystery Science Theater 3000 secret until now, until it premiered uh, Friday on uh, Netflix. However, listeners will recall that in uh, <laughs> season two, episode four, uh, the one. Oh, that... you even have the number, you smug little bastard. Yes, indeed. Uh, that's the one. <laughs> that's the one. Go, with... ahead. Go ahead. That's the one with Jean-Claude Van Damme's naked, naked <laughs> ass all over it. And entitled, I went straight for 10 minutes, which is one of my <laughs> favorites. I forgot, by the way. Yeah, that's one of my favorite titles we've ever had. <laughs> um, we presented a list of films dredged from the inky depths of the dark web, which we said, which we predicted, I should say, would form the roster of the new season. And that list, amazingly, was 100% correct. You thought I was going to say wrong, didn't you? Admit it. I don't blame you. We usually are. But this case, we were correct. <laughs> now, um, have you watched more than the one that you've already seen? Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, speaking of that, now it can be told, uh, the pilot episode, which uh, Mary and I saw at the Los Angeles premiere of the show at the historic Cinerama Dome in on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood, was indeed the uh, Danish uh, Godzilla ripoff reptilicus and uh last night we watched episode two which we will get get to in a second but uh, jeff have you watched reptilicus uh i watched reptilicus and i've kind of jumped around because there were you watched more than uh, one yeah i watched reptilicus and i also watched star crash only because um star crash is a a film that i saw at the drive-in when i was a kid because i was a star wars geek and that was a star wars clone and i had to see it and uh also because there was a fan series that existed for a brief time called Mystery Fandom Theater 3000. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, totally fan-made and done. And they did the costumes, they did the sets, they did the robots. And they had, I think they did four complete films. And one of the films that they had done was Star Crash. The only reason I know this is I was in contact with one of the guys who worked on it for a while. One of my oh. Twitter friends. Ah, and when I found out they were doing Star Crash, I'm like, oh, boy, the, the, the professional riffers going at it. I got to see this done again. 
Oh, I, I'm desperately looking forward to it because... Uh, Star- and then... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, uh, Star Crash was a movie that I hunted down at a time when it was not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, because I wanted to include it in the next, the sequel to Better Living the Bad Movies. Now, I'm, I'm not sure I made, I, I, I'm going to do it because... Uh, because it's on uh, MST and we and Sherry and I, we wrote the first book. Always had a rule we weren't going to tackle any movie that was done by Mystery Science Theater. However, okay. uh, but Star, I can't wait to see Star Crash one because it is amongst the most, if not the most, shameless Star Wars ripoffs. I mean, they <laughs> basically have got lightsabers. Um, and I, I have to say, uh, Dave Probert summed it up uh, with incredible eloquence when he said. Oh, Star Crash, that you beautiful piece of nonsense. Yes. And and that, that describes it perfectly. It's going to be, I, I'm sure it's going to be fun. Was it fun? What, did they do a good, did they do it justice? Okay, before, okay, I will say yes, they did. Okay. But um, I, I have a, 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 a broader uh, statement that I want to touch on real fast. Go ahead, Senator. Uh, thank you. Uh, now, now, as you know, I've been very reticent about this. Yes, you've had your reservations. I, I, I've had my reservations since this was announced. I was happy, but happy with issues. Okay. Then, uh, before the first, the, before the first season was released, Netflix released on uh, YouTube the uh, new theme song, which I really, really liked. Mm-hmm. I love the new theme song. Um, and like I said, I watched three episodes now, and I have to say that. Okay, first off, the movie segments remind me almost exactly of the old show. And I'm going to be grumpy McGrumpnuts here for a second because this is the way I've always felt about Mystery Science Theater. Usually, like, the first 45 minutes and the last 45 minutes are brilliant, and the middle does kind of sag. Okay. And it's always been that way for me, almost always. Occasionally, it, that doesn't happen, but that's just a me thing. I, my mind will wander during the middle of the movie. I've never found that to be the case with MST, but I always find that to be the case with Rift Tracks feature films. Okay. All right. No, for me, it's all, honestly, I think that's why I make the commentary short. Mm-hmm. I think I just tend to, I tend to wander of a full length riffing. Okay. No matter what it is, it's always been that way. That being said, at the beginning, well, the first quarter and the last third, the first third and the last third are always fucking brilliant. I am so happy. One of the things that they do, and they did it in the pilot episode, and they do it again later. If you um, put it, the, the songs. Oh my God, that song about each nation having its monster in the pilot. At that moment, I said, "I love you guys." Yeah, that that really went over big, as you can imagine, with the audience of Misty's that I saw it with. And I, I had... wish I could have seen that with an audience because I was sitting there, I was watching it with my mom, actually. <laughs> and uh, that song came on and my jaw just dropped. She could even say I had this big shit eating grin on my face and I'm like, this is it. This is what I love about the show. And there's another song. I'm not going to get too spoilery in one of the episodes that I saw that they do within the movie itself. And it's a full length song. Wow. This wow. is something also they've never done before. Dude. And, a, the song is hysterical. B, it's fracking brilliant. And three, I'll say it, it's in Star Crash. Ah, 
Excellent, because there's lots of dead air in Star Crash. Lots of places. That's that's exactly what they use the song to cover. And once again, it's a great song. So, like I said, now, like I said, so I'm a little bit grumpy, McGrump nuts on the, you know, the the middle third of the movie segments. That being said, my biggest problem with the old show has always been the host segments. Mm-hmm. Not this time. I fucking adore the host segments. Having the skeleton crew, having the pearl clone. Um, I freaking adore Felicia Day and Patton Oswalt. Yes, I was looking forward to them, and they have they have delivered in a big way for me. Now you know how much I love I loved Pearl Bobo and Brain Guy. Yes, way more than I ever did. I understand that. And that being said, much as I loved the characters, I loved the characters and their interaction more than I loved what was actually going on, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, it's the, I, these opening seg, these, the, the host segments that I've watched so far is, um, I have found genuinely entertaining and funny. Good. Each one of them. So it's, I don't know if it's the people. I don't know if it's because they've got both fucking Rick and Morty writers, both Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland are writing this season. Yeah. I don't know if that's it. I don't know what it is, but the host segments are clicking with me in a way that they never clicked with me before. Well, they were so more power to, you know, I mean that and that I totally. So in a way, I like this better than the old show. Well, you know, I if I'm going to get grumpy McGrump nuts, uh, it was always um, the host segments that created a problem for me. Well, let me amend that. Not always. A lot of the host segments during the Joel era were very charming, I thought. Agreed. Um, Agreed. They were uh, less so as the show wore on. And then when it got to sci-fi, they became downright problematic because that's the first time they bumped up against... Um, uh, editorial fiats from the executive suite. They were actually getting notes and in, in network interference. And, and yep. one of the uh, one of the mandates they had was uh, was they had to uh, create um, threads or arcs uh, in the host segments, and they had really no experience with it, and I don't think uh, much proficiency with it. Um, so those were a bit of a slog to get through. And then when that slacked off, because I think even the the uh, suits realized it wasn't working, uh, say in season nine and season 10, uh, right. a lot of them were just sort of, oh, we have to, it's like, it felt so pro forma. I was like, oh, let's just find the dumbest joke we can do right now and throw it in because we need, we need a break in the movie. And I think uh, Joel had a slightly different philosophy about it. And I think Joel... Uh, also has the benefit of hindsight and able to really, it was able, yes. like we could all do. We can look back and say, oh, this is where the host segments really went off the rails. Plus, he has uh, an enormous amount of goodwill in the comedy community, having you know, being a, a member in good standing, and having inspired so many comedians that are prominent now. He's yes. really able to. He's got the pick of the litter as far as. as uh, uh, comedy minds now so some and of the, and special guests and special guests which i'm looking forward to i don't i don't want to know don't i'm don't not gonna, i've only seen one and all i'm going to say is when i'm not even going to say what gender when the special guest popped up i went really and then i went okay that's pretty fucking funny yeah no there's so many people who love the show who grew up on it or for you know or who discovered it as adults and it was um 
it was transformative in some way. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me that, that but so many. May I? I'm sorry, real fast, but may I throw the one downside to the new version? I do have one problem with the new show. Of course you do. Of course I do. I do. Yeah. Um, and um, this is actually very reminiscent of, I think, what the main problem was with the KTMA and season one episodes. Mm-hmm. Is that, I hate saying this, but as of right now, I think everybody sounds too much alike. Uh, you know what? I, I'm not going to even consider that um, an unfair criticism. I think that's probably true. I think it's going to take a while for everyone to find their voice. As, I as agree it did, with you. As it did. Yes, but, exactly. That, that's, why, that's like I said, KTMA season one. I'm totally cool with this. And the reason why I'm not being all uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild angry sending death letters, oh, I'm never going to let that go, is because, honestly, the song's Okay. What they're doing with the music this season just makes me so fuck. You know how I love music. I do. I you confess it. Uh, you also know how I love this type of music. I mean, they're they they have. I've heard three, and they're freaking. They're just they're freaking nailing it. And I just adore Felicia Day. Yes, uh, a lot of people were not enthusiastic about her, but I I I had a feeling she was going to be uh, a perfect foil. The you know this this sort of a, uh, aspiring, aspiring evil that just doesn't quite get there, and it's absolutely perfect. I it really really is. I mean, in, in in so many respects, you know, I I gave it thumbs up. I would have liked to have given it five stars, but I gave it thumbs up. Yeah, they had to change Netflix change their stupid rating system. That's another that's another issue. We'll bitch about that. But you know what? I, no, we have good news. We have we have we have happy things to discuss exactly. because not only not only has Mystery Science Theater returned to us and all is well with the universe, as I said on Twitter, but this weekend, and I completely forgot when Mystery Science Theater premiered because I was focused on that, has been Star Wars Celebration. <clears throat> yes. And oh my, the things that uh, have happened in the last two days. Things have happened, all right. Let's see here. First off, we had the 40th anniversary panel. Uh, Yes. Which was uh, quite gargantuan. The only things that I really want to mention about that were the stunning uh, Carrie Fisher tribute and the totally surprise, even to everyone on stage, apparently, John Williams concert at the end. Oh, that was a surprise, was it? Uh, the story goes Kathleen Kennedy was talking later and uh, she said that they were everybody was backstage watching and Warwick Davis was like, oh, that's great. Where's that happening? And Kathleen Kennedy said right there. Hmm. So, yeah, apparently nobody on stage even knew that they were back there at that time. Well, I'm glad they're I'm glad they realized that they better get these tributes in before people die. Uh, yeah, but uh, ignoring ignoring that for a second. Also, the first day, the first day, the big reveal. Oh, Scott. Yes. That trailer. Uh, which one are we talking about? Uh, the um, uh, Last Jedi, the first trailer that dropped. Um. Yes. Yes. Um. You know what? I gotta say, it kind of left me cold. Really? Yeah, I was. I mean, oftentimes I have that reaction to teasers. It's just often not till the uh, an actual trailer, you know, a, a significant, a, a major trailer happens. But I just, I don't know. I was, I wasn't feeling it. It just, I was like, uh, 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, here's here is. Uh, and I wanted were, to feel it. I wanted to feel it. I wanted. There to... were there were two moments. Well, there was one shot and a moment in particular that just totally sold me on the thing, mm-hmm. and I watched it a couple times, and I watched a couple of people reacting to it. But there are two things in particular. One that one uh, far shot of Ray with the lightsaber as the camera's going past the mountain. Mm-hmm. I just fucking fell in love with that shot. And uh, two, that the ending, the end of the teaser, you know, Luke saying that the, um, the Jedi must end, that music swell and Star Wars being in red. Mm-hmm. Just the, the, oh, the, the, at least for me, that worked on a total, that totally hit me in the gut. I loved that. I, I, I really want to know where that went. I want to know what the fuck he's talking about. I love the music at that point. I love the fact that the Star Wars is in red for this. It just, that worked for me. I almost laughed, actually, because it's, it's, really? like, it's like, oh, I know, it's like Luke's going, I know they're going to kill me off in this. Well, fine. I've, I'm going down. I'm taking the Jedi with me. <laughs> um, so so there's, there's people were looking at the uh, poster. And if you see the poster, um, Ray standing at the bottom with her arm uh, upstretched, holding a uh, lightsaber much as luke does in in the iconic first poster for uh the original star wars and then you see um you see luke on one side you see uh what's his name emo boy on the other side (laughs) kylo ren and as the uh as the beam of light from the from the saber rises up up the uh the poster uh it transitions from blue to red and some people were speculating that uh this whole light dark dichotomy is what's been causing eternal friction uh between uh force wielders and between the 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 empire and the republic and and that there's some sort of gray middle ground where um peace can be found and that uh ren's going to wind up destroying the sith and that um uh Luke is going to put an end to the Jedi and that this all the it's because they're just these extremist philosophies. And the fact that they introduced the Bendu, which is a creature out of lighter dark, say, yes, right? but a, a gray, a gray, a powerful gray uh, force building creature. And mm-hmm. also, kind of the way Ahsoka went her path, mm-hmm. she has was white, kind of heading that she way. She has white lightsabers. She does not exactly, have, she doesn't have any of the traditional Jedi or Sith colors. So uh that may be true and if it happens i will be kind of excited by that because it's funny that i when it did kind of get me excited i have to say that the trailer wasn't what i wanted didn't, right. didn't give me what i needed okay uh, but it did get me thinking star wars and i actually went back and and uh and hopped on my computer and and started up uh uh the mmo star wars the <laughs> the old Republic nice. and started playing because it's been a while. And I noticed that um, the game itself seems to think that the Jedi code uh, is kind of stupid because if you follow it, you can follow it and be uh, the most punctilious, most punctilious warrior monk in the galaxy and never put a foot wrong. Uh, always behave with perfect rectitude. And it's pretty damn boring it's not fun as a game now you can also still accomplish all of your light side goals but fuck your way across the galaxy you can bang everything that comes into your your purview if you want to and still be a decent person so there is kind of a it's like i i, I after playing 
Um, after playing very light side characters and realizing I'm no good at playing really dark side characters because <laughs> you can be an evil fuck if you want to. And I just I can't. It's not fun for me. Uh, most of the characters, both Empire and Republic that I wound up playing were in the gray middle because that allows you to do the most fun stuff. So, well, you know, if okay. they go if they go that way, that will be fun for me personally. I think that that's I'm, I'm kind of tired of this ideological conflict. And maybe that simply reflects my fatigue with our politics. I don't know. <laughs> I see you. Uh, this is going to sound kind of cheesy. I know, but I don't care. Uh, when I play role-playing games, mm-hmm. I know, cause like, especially with, with the mass effect, the original series, there was Paragon and Renegade, totally good, totally evil. I could never do it either. The, I, the justification that I always use is it was the actor in me. When I was creating the character, I came up with the personality. I did everything according to exactly what I thought the character would do. None of that light side, dark side, shit uh yeah exactly i mean i i tend to headcanon my characters pretty hard and i want to be able to react in a way that makes sense not that i want the game to bend to my will and not that i've right, got right. not that i've got some weird ass uh conception that i cannot uh possibly surrender uh, no i mean i'll play i'll play the game as the game is constituted but i don't want to get forced into making stupid decisions that that contravene the character that they led me to believe i could play so sometimes there's just bad writing real fast story before we get on to the next bit of star wars because oh there's more star wars um i I do want to talk about one more thing so oh okay 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 real fast interrupt okay go ahead go ahead well i was just gonna say i'm kind of excited about um and, and she's not in the in in the trailer but uh uh kelly marie tran I want to know who Rose is. Right. Well, already well, because she was adorable in that panel. Yeah, she's the f- so so. Well, she's she's a um, an improv comedian. She oh. she works at UCB, the uh, Upright Citizens Brigade. Really? Yes. And so uh, and she's also her most of her previous credits were in college humor videos. She's she's a comedian, and. So not she's a, an upright citizens brigade. Holy yes, shit, that's uh, awesome! Okay, I already I love her even more now. Okay, not, not only did they is she the first woman of color in a, a lead role in Star Wars, but the first person that I can think of who has primarily a comedy background. And someone on Screen Junkies pointed out that uh, they were saying on the panel that she's not a soldier, she's not a force wielder, she's just uh, a maintenance worker who gets roped into the action by Finn. And one of the the guys um, on Screen Junkies said that um, noted that trans credits are primarily in comedy, and he, he but he, he said I don't I don't think her primary function, despite that, is going to be in the story will be to provide comic relief. Or uh, he put it, um, he said I don't think she'll be the wacky janitor of Star Wars. And I when I watched that I said. I totally want her to be the wacky janitor. I would love it if she was like Schneider from one day at a time. And she would just like sort of periodically swagger on camera with a big old gut hanging over a tool belt and, you know, dispense some utterly useless advice and, and deliver her beloved catchphrase and, you know, then exit to a spirited round of applause. <laughs> it would be different. I would, I would watch that show. Hell, I like Iron Fist. I would do that. Yeah, but you, so you didn't. So I have not seen the panel. So she, you liked, you liked her on the panel. She, uh, she is absolutely adorable. She oh. came out and was just this. I can totally, now knowing her background, her person, that totally fits her personality. I get it. Oh, 
Okay, well, maybe I'll get back. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I cannot wait to see this. I'm now even more interested in Rose, the character that she's playing. Um, now knowing that, that is very, very, very cool. So, today... And uh, today there was a lot of Rebels information dropped. Yes, there was. Sad. For, Sad yes. Not, uh, I'm, Sad-ish. I'm, Sad-ish. I'm okay with it, actually. The, right. the, the writer in me, the storyteller in me is completely okay with it. Someday the writer in you and the actor in you are going to meet in a deadly conflict to settle this once and for all. You're right. You're right. That's why I don't eat spoon-sized shredded wheat. Well, first off... It, it is official. Filoni announced that Rebels Season 4 will be the final season. Um, to me, it makes perfect sense. They are they are butting up against uh, the Rogue One era. Um, I guess they didn't want to get too close to it. Um, but, I mean, I was kind of hoping they'd go five years. I mean, I don't know why. Maybe just because I'm selfishly, I'm just enjoying it. If if that's, if if it's if it's a Disney decision to to clear the decks for some other show, then I'll reserve my judgment until that show, that hypothetical show, arrives. But if it's if it's if Filoni has a four year plan, that's fine. Go to it, Stalin. You know, make it make it so. But if they're just being cut off, then. It's it's like when um, I was working on uh, I don't know I, like when don't I was working know. on Babylon Five, right? And they you know um, Straczynski had a five year plan for the show you know and then it, it looked like they weren't going to get picked up so they collapsed everything into season four and then they got you know unexpectedly got a reprieve and it's like well now what do we do so and and you know I hate saying it but that the first half of season five showed it. Oh yeah, no, it was a mess. It was a mess. There, I, there was no, there I was no clue really loved on. the end, like the the last maybe four or five episodes. I thought were just as good as the Shadow War, which I think was the best science fiction on television until Ron Moore's Battlestar Galactica. That two season Shadow War to me is just fucking amazing. I'm no argument here. Um, as much as I can skip. Like a lot, I can skip a lot of Babylon Five. I really can, but the Shadow War I need to watch in its entirety. Yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, like any TV show that era, uh, you know. Oh, exactly, exactly. But I mean, I I remember, uh, I remember when that was airing originally, and we'll get back to Star Wars. I swear, but I mean, you you brought up a fan geek moment, and I'm being all fan geeky right now. Um, I remember when when the shadow. Now, were you working on the show when the shadow when that was going on? When were I, you actually on the show? Season five. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. Um, so you were just a fan when the shadow war was going on. Yeah. Okay. Were was it? Did did you have during the shadow war the same reaction that I did? I kept saying it a lot when I talked about uh, Battlestar Galactica during the Mike and Ike era. The oh shit factor. How many times an episode you'd say, oh, shit. Yeah, which was an unfamiliar feeling because I was not used to being surprised, uh, let alone gobstruck by television. I mean, back then, you know, TV was a it was a pleasant time waster. But this was this was one of those rare occasions in that era when I, you know, scheduled time to be present in front of the TV when something was airing. I mean, this was this was all pre-DVR era, so uh, most TV shows I like, with the exception of MST3K, which I faithfully taped. Yeah. Um, 
if I saw it, great. If I didn't, whatever. And then a lot of TV shows I liked, I would miss a few episodes, and I go, eh, eh, I get out of the habit. But that was not the case with Babylon Five. So it was, it was, it was a unique show, in a lot of ways. That being one of them, the ocean. Oh. Oh, yeah, the ocean factor on that was amazing. But anyway, so, yes, uh, Rebels is ending with season four. And, of course, since it was Star Wars Celebration, Rebel season four panel, they dropped a trailer on us. And, that trailer, um, I had the opposite effect. That did not leave me cold. That left me blazing white hot. Why? I, I was moist. Now? Yeah. I was moist, I can't lie, um, from the opening narration uh, her uh, Hera's narration. I'm just like, oh shit! And the fact that Filoni said they're doing something a little different with this season, that it is going to be darker. And I'm like, well, it's the last season. It kind of has to be. Uh, it does kind of have to be. And, I, and I, I, on the one hand, I think uh, promises of darkness uh, in relation to a show that's on a Disney Channel for uh, Disney should dark. be taken yeah. with a five pound bag of rock salt. Agreed. But but on the other hand, uh, this is the post Rogue One era, uh, mm-hmm. which so I think uh, one of the lessons anyone can take from from uh, Rogue One is kill off. I this is, so Rogue Rogue One um, hit digital. So Mary and I downloaded it. We, we rewatched it for the first time since it's, it left the theaters. Okay, and I was watching, uh, and and I watched the the closing most of the closing credits but you know how the movie ends you'll get the major actors names right then they'll go to the tech um credits and then you'll get you'll get the crawl with all the actors you know in alphabetical order in their roles but the every named actor that appeared um died every single it's like oh it's like uh uh, what's his name? Uh, Felicity Jones, dead. Diego Luna, dead. It's like uh, uh, Donnie Yen, dead. Dead, dead, dead. Anyway, guy who played Critic, dead. Uh, James Earl Jones, well, no, but Vader, Vader does die. So all these characters are dead. Every single, it was a slaughterhouse. <laughs> those credits. So um, I, I, I do think that maybe I, I, I thought they can't kill. It's a Disney show. It's a Disney cartoon. There's no way that they can kill these characters off, even though not killing them off will do irreparable damage to the continuity because why are they still around? I'm sure they go, well, they were in hiding or somebody got amnesia and was wandering the, the wastes of some desert, whatever. They could come up with some stupid reason. But now I have some small sliver of hope that there will be mass murder. Well, I was going to say, let us not forget, in the season three uh, finale, we did have Sato willingly sacrifice himself. Yeah, who cares? I'm just saying. And unfortunately, they made the announcement. Well, actually, fortunately, coolness. They made the announcement that Warwick Davis is joining the cast in the final season, playing a character well known to those who have read Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire trilogy. I'm going to say this wrong. I know. Oh, well. Uh, Ruch. Um, Thrawn's Nogri, at least in the original, in those novels, bodyguard, and uh, the Nogri, who, if I remember correctly, is in fact the one who kills Thrawn, oh, spoilers, at the end of the trilogy. Okay. I don't, so I, I, I don't, I don't really care who they 
podcast is, you know, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just wondering with the inclusion of this character, if now, since they, if, since they, we are, we did see Thrawn in, so he's definitely coming back for this season. If he's going to meet his end in rebels. Thrawn? No, I, well, I would be surprised. I don't think they're going to, I think they'll see. The only reason I'm wondering about that is because they're bringing in Rook. That's the only reason why I'm, I'm kind of I really don't want them to because I really want him to be out in the outer rim. <laughs> I want him to be involved in the formation of the First Order. Yes, yes. I, I definitely want them to give him an outer rim job, an important ah. outer rim job. Um, so oh, we're stopped. No, yes. no, 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 no. So no. there was some cool stuff in that um, in that uh, uh, trailer. So, somebody mentioned that, you know, riding the giant white wolf looked very, you know, Princess Mononoke. Um, and the fact that Herod uh, performs a uh, hyperspeed jump through the hangar, uh, some sort of like mini Death Star battle station. Um, it looks like they're going out on a big note. I mean, I was surprised at the, the, the size of the uh, space battle that took place in in season three's finale. So I don't know if they're they're either spending more money on it. Disney's letting it go out on a high note or these guys have gotten very, very smart about doing bottle episodes and then just blowing out their budget um, on a few, on a few epic episodes. I um, think it's a combination of all three. It's probably, it, I do. That's probably the case. Now here's the thing. Um, and I just want to mention this, not that I believe this for an instant, but it was just the most, it was the cutest fan theory that I heard today. Somebody was, was talking about Hera's um, narration of the trailer, which is, uh, I don't want to say uh, ominous, but it's certainly elegiac. There's 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 a there's a note that she's basically delivering various people's eulogies. We we, we... I have no problem saying ominous. I thought it was ominous. Okay, all right, very Actually, well. Actually, no. I'll even go one step further. I'm not gonna lie. I was a little creeped out by it. Yes. The yes. beginning of that trailer, before it got to the action scenes, I was a little creeped out. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's a, that's a fair assessment of it. And, and I agree with you, but anyway, so someone was saying, was, was saying, so it seems like the, the last season where the show is ultimately about, uh, Ezra and Sabine and it says, you know, uh, a boy who was lost, uh, a girl who was broken and said, so maybe they'll wind up together and maybe they'll have a daughter and they'll drop her off on the planet Jakku and they'll they'll be raised parents i thought that'll never happen because they will never because uh, they, they you cannot have a gasping reveal in star trek about race parentage if it's like oh, that's who are those people oh we had to watch this cartoon oh we'll see I, okay so it'll never happen but i thought it was just the cutest like i i, I just love when people get their their fan theories and and just get all squee about it um uh, one last thing one last thing before i become time nazi because we don't want this episode being two and a half hours long no we don't I'm, well I, I don't care but i'm sure the listeners don't want it to. exactly but i have a short thing that i want to throw out and i know i heard you start to say something so i'll throw it back to you real fast um dave filoni did something very interesting this weekend i don't know when this in particular happened but i saw the evidence um during the first animation panel this was before i believe this was before the star wars pan the rebels panel yesterday um full i it was a panel just about animation in general um filoni and pablo hidalgo were doing it and he was wearing a t-shirt that said ahsoka lives with a question mark yeah. 
And the running joke is that Ashley Eckstein has a T-shirt that said, just says Ahsoka lives. And he's like, you're saying it the wrong way. It should be Ahsoka lives. And he had that shirt on. Well, apparently at one point during the Star Wars Rebels panel, um, he changed shirts and the shirt that now said Ahsoka lives with an exclamation point. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> uh, that may mean something. That may not mean that something. better mean something. All mean I got to say is I fucking love Dave Filoni. Yeah, you got it. That's beautiful. I, I, I'm not even calling it. it just, there it is. If you know, let the fans notice it and speculate. That, that's just brilliant. Oh yeah, the guy. Yeah, he he knows how to wind up the fans. There's no question. Exactly. Did you have a short take? Uh, oh, I just, I just one thing I started to say uh, when we're talking about MST and you, you just oh, yeah. Star Wars. So I'm I sorry. Just, uh, no, 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 no. It's fine. Uh, so um, Mary and I decided people are deci- trying to figure out how are we going to watch this. Are we going to watch it in the episode order? Are we going to just jump around the way you've been doing based on what movies we've heard of or seen before? Or, you know, are we going to binge it or what? Uh, well, Mary, there's two things. Mary laid down the law. We cannot watch the holiday episode, the Christmas that almost wasn't until Christmas. I'm doing the same thing. Oh, I okay. am. That's the, one I, that's the one I'm not watching until Christmas. Okay, exactly. good. Well, we'll be suffering together. Um, exactly. So I suggested that uh, because when we first started, you know, is it, we, we met at the, the, the uh, movie premiere of Mystery Science Theater. 3000 the movie um so we we had this thing where because she lived in another town and we would get together only on the weekend so we would we would um when we were dating we would you know it's like you know dealing with a full day of work and then the freeways you know we're both tired so the first night on every friday night we would order some chinese food and we'd watch uh, the new episode of mystery science theater this was uh end of the comedy central era and into the uh, sci-fi years so we were trying to decide how we're going to approach this. And I said, well, how about we order Chinese food and every Friday night we'll watch the new, uh, one new episode. Like dating. that's what she said. She said, oh, it's very, it was, it was equally condescending from her. So uh, I felt a little, that was not uh, condescending no. for me at all. There was no condescension there. All right. That so, was genuine. I genuinely think that's sweet. Well, thank you. Well, we'll, we'll see how it works out. I'm, I'm not sure that, that any, any binging plan survives first contact with mystery science theater, but we're going to try to stick to it anyway. So last time we watched episode two, which is cry wilderness, which I know you, yes. you have seen in a theater or a drive-in yes. when it first came out years ago. Okay. We enjoyed it. We laughed all the way through, but, uh, this morning, uh, neither one of us had a clue what the movie was about. <laughs> it's a weird amnesia it's like it's like we're, we're trying to piece it together it's like what well, we watched it we were laughing we were like but it's like okay it's like there's this kid with the world's most unfortunate bowl cut and he goes, <laughs> he goes to like a private boys school that seems to be run out of a bedroom in versailles and bigfoot is a western union telegram delivery boy who shows up and says your father the forest ranger is in danger uh, so the boy hitchhikes with truckers, which seems unsanitary. And then he gets to find his dad. His dad's actually not in danger, but they spend the rest of the movie walking around uh, the woods and then uh, the desert, maybe. And then uh, Star Trek exterior set um, and then the woods again. And then there's like a tiger that escaped from a circus. And there's an Indian who laughs frequently and inappropriately. And then it... <laughs> It all ends up in I don't know Injun Joe's cave, and there's a there's a, a there's a cave in, and 
Uh, Neither one of us can remember what it was, what it was trying to accomplish. And and we're saying, okay, remember the villain. If you remember the villain, you remember what the plot is, because the villain's the one who's always trying to accomplish something. We couldn't remember if there was a bad guy in the story. No clue. Okay, now, now then, now then, imagine being a kid and (laughs) seeing that. And now imagine being me as a kid. So you got to remember warp to begin with. Yeah. But seeing that without the humorous commentary uh it explains much about the way you are today i don't uh, it was it it was i think that's why i I think that's the reason that manos the hands of fate did not harm me unmisted as much as it has other people because i went through film shock therapy at an earlier age you were vaccinated by cry wilderness I, I, I think I think that may be it because that it, it is such uh, honestly apart from knowing that I saw it and as I was watching the, the the episode I I instantly remembered the head not the head the, the really annoying school guy mm-hmm. as soon as he popped up I had this sudden immediately like flashback to childhood and it frightened me yeah it, it's just like you look at this actor and he goes Oh, I'm so going to grow up to be William Daniels. <laughs> You're right. He was Dr. Craiging it all over that boys' all school. All over those boys. <laughs> Ew. Okay, I went nice. You went icky. Shame on Somebody you. Somebody had to. Come on. No, no, no. They didn't. All right. And on that disgusting note... Part one of the clip show is ending. We could have ended on the clip show, but no, we had to end on a cum joke. Thanks to Scott Clevenger. Uh, Next week, more random bits of weirdness that we have collected over the last couple of weeks uh, and some more new stuff. And then in two weeks... I swear to effing God, we are doing the the Moto Chan. What the hell was the other guy's name? Uh, 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 Mr. Moto, uh, Mr. Wong. Mr. Wong, the Moto Chang Wong episode. That is going to happen. Oh, and also coming very soon. I'm not going to make the official announcement, but I'm going to tease it here just to get out there. Remember, I I said on Facebook that um, after the coolness of the sleepy, our sleepy hollow interview with Albert Kim, there may be another really cool interview coming. Uh, Well, there is details to come. And on that note, later. Do, 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 do. Slumgullion, we still got some guests on the Slumgullion. We're not showing breasts on the Slumgullion. Should probably fade on the Slumgullion. Slumgullion.